them fell right down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Story Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul Heather Dolph Ninja Sometimes they're cat Freddy, but never the ferrets. Hey everyone, this is NFL linebacker Avery Williamson, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Hey guys, welcome to episode 343 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. So Tracy, this is the first regular episode that I've written since I got out of the hospital. Yeah. Feels good to be back. Good. About time, slacker. I know. 100%. <laughs> Obviously, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thanks to every one of you for everything that you do on a daily basis to keep us all safe and free. You guys are the bestest. We love you. We pray for you every single day. And just keep on doing you because you protect us and we're so grateful. Tracy, typical week. Of having um, people reach out to us that are struggling, which is exactly what we've asked people to do. Um, it's just, it's a tough time in the world, period, for a thousand different reasons. Yeah. You don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but this world sucks. Yes, for the most part, uh, I would agree. The good thing is there are great people, like the people in our group, that are always there to step up. And I just want to say how much I appreciate that because I know I've talked to a couple of different people this week that had nothing but positives to say about the group. And, you know, just if you're in the group, all you got to do is read a couple of posts and you'll probably be surprised, even though, you know, that's what it's for. You'll probably be surprised at how quick someone is to try to lift someone else up. Of course, and that doesn't mean, like, I know I kind of said that, because it kind of does, but there are still so many wonderful people in this world, and I think the majority of them are in our group, so So we are very thankful for that, and if you guys need to reach out and talk, we're always here for you guys. Um, You can talk with the group, like Jerry said, there's somebody all time, day or night, that's in there to talk with you guys, or just listen, or whatever. And you can call Jerry or you can call me. Um, if you want to go a different route, you can do the 988 number. And that's the hotline crisis number. And also, you can still text at 741-741. So come hang with us. We're the fun people. Absolutely. Heck yeah. All right. The one thing I will say is we don't have an interview tonight, or uh, I say interview, but they're typically not interviews. They're just chats with people that have cool stories. Because when I think interview, I think, well, how did you start? And what was the reason for this? And Mm -hmm. those are kind of boring. And that's kind of how we started doing it. But we figured out really quickly that people um, want a little more excitement in the chats. So that's what Mm -hmm. we started doing. But I I was really ahead at one point. But with all this going on, I haven't done one in literally three weeks. So I ran out. (laughs) 
So I'll get back next week just trying to get some fantastic uh, chats with some uh, podcasters and stuff from you yeah, guys. that sounds great. I did want to say, speaking of other podcasters, though, and I know this is the beginning of the show and not typically do it, but the Buffalo show that we've got that's tickets are selling like hotcakes, mm-hmm. Tyler Allen from Minds of Madness is going to be at that show and he's going to actually emcee that show that for us. That is balls. And I actually We're found so that <laughs> I found that out. Like a couple of weeks ago, but needless to say, it was uh, the timing was kind of horrible for me to be able to announce that. Mm-hmm. But it's not been updated or anything, but yeah, Tyler's going to be at that show, and it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, we're His, excited, and we appreciate him doing that for us. Yeah, obviously, if you haven't listened to Minds of Madness, it's true crime. It's a wondery show, mm-hmm. uh, and they've been killing it for years. Yeah. So, well, that's not, the, not literally. Not literally, but you know, <laughs> in the true crime arena, <laughs> they've been killing it for us. And he has one of the best voices. Yes. He's like one of the, he's like got like that Morgan Freeman voice that if you're, if you wanted somebody to narrate your life as you're walking around, it would be Tyler. No, there you go. So, and he, he's been uh, a part of some of our Halloween episodes and mm-hmm. stuff just because he's such a good guy. Him and his wife, Beck, are fantastic. Yeah. Amen. All right. Tracy, you know that I love covering stories that involve military and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Therefore... So to make this first story back in a couple of weeks, I decided to reach, research something that I really love, mm-hmm. and I went back to there. So instead, though, of doing just strictly uh, police or law enforcement or stuff like that, we're going to jump into some stories that involve corrections officers. Oh, fun. Yes. I bet they got some stories to tell. Don't you know it. Trust me. I found stuff that I didn't even, I found stuff, I found almost enough stuff from Montana to do a complete episode. Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. I ended up breaking off of it to get some other stuff in. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it would have all been Montana. So Interesting. It, it just shows how much stuff is out there. Mm-hmm. All right. So Karen Stevens, speaking of which, she's an author who's written about Haunted Montana. One of her books is called Haunted Montana, and she's covered several other uh, books of haunted aspects of the state. She says that cops are trained observers. So when she hears of a police officer or corrections officer or someone in law enforcement seeing something, possibly paranormal, she takes it a little more serious than somebody else because they're trained to observe. So they're going to be less likely to make assumptions. Well, right. That makes sense. Unfortunately, most do not want to talk about their sightings for various reasons. Now, we've talked about this before. A lot of it has to do with people thinking that they're mm-hmm. crazy or uh, ruining their reputation Tasting, and yeah. screwing up their job, whatever the case may be. Now, one who would talk about this was John Goffney. He's of Roundup, Montana. I can't hear Roundup without thinking about I guess bug it makes well, yeah, right, and it makes <laughs> well, it's weed no spray, weed spray, not bug but spray. But it makes sense that Roundup, Montana, I mean, because Roundup has to do cattle, cattle and stuff uh-huh. like that. But I, that's just not what I think of. Anyway, <laughs> Officer Goffney spent 16 years with the Muscle Shell County Sheriff's Office. He I like actually, that name, Muscle uh, Shell. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, he actually likes to talk about it. Because he thinks that the bizarre and the unexplained encounters he had on duty were like a badge of honor, so to speak. Here's a few of his stories. On one occasion, 
he was uh, checking out a grade school. Okay, so it's nighttime. He was the only one there. And he said he heard a distinct sound of a child's laughter and what sounded like tiny footsteps. He walks into the room where the laughter was coming from. It instantly stopped the moment that he stepped into this room. However, there were tiny footprints in the dust on the floor. I don't know if this was like during the summer or something where there would be dust on the floor. Because mm-hmm. I would hate to think there's just dust on the floor every day. Yeah. But maybe it was during the summer where oh, sure. it's not cleaned on a regular basis yeah. or something. The windows might be open or whatever. Or maybe the school wouldn't. I mean, maybe the, the school was abandoned now or something. I don't know. But anyway, that's his, that's one of the stories. Well, school is out in the summertime, you know. Yeah, but I don't think it would gather enough dust on the floor to be able to see it in a couple of days. Oh, no, no, so, no, not at all. He said there was another time that he went to a high school, also at night. He was checking on a report of some vandalism. He said when he got there, he went to the area of the gym, and he could hear footsteps across the gym floor. Officer Goffney gave chase, and he said when he reached the stage area from right behind the curtains and stuff, you know how they'll have the curtain area for plays and stuff. When he reached the end of the curtains, the motion detector lights came on. And he was a little concerned because he said, as he's chasing through this area, he became curious as to why didn't the motion detector lights come on when the thing was running through? Yeah, when the other person ran through, Mm -hmm. it only came through with him. It's a ghost, man. Yeah, so he was curious about what he was chasing. Mm -hmm. And why it wouldn't set off motion detectors. But he never saw, actually saw he anything, He never saw right? anybody, but he heard the footsteps and knew there was something he was chasing. I wonder if he felt dumb. <laughs> Damn, what am I running all this way he for? He probably didn't feel here. too dumb because he said told people about it. So Yeah. That's, that's kind of weird for sure. He said it was definitely a pursuit of something that wasn't there. Goffney would eventually retire from law enforcement and become a horse trainer and a security guard. He said this became a natural decision for him because he grew up on a ranch and he saw his share of strange things, not only on the ground, but in the sky. Ooh. He said he's a believer in what he saw all through his life, so therefore he has lots of stories and has no problem telling people about it. One of the more intense ones happened when he was no longer on the force. The story goes something like this. He had some type of an allergic reaction, and he had to go to the hospital in Roundup, Montana. He's in the room, in the emergency room. He's lying on a bed. A nurse wearing a uniform that appeared to be from the 1950s and 60s comes into the room. She starts doing the typical nurse stuff, taking his vitals and stuff, okay? He speaks to her for a little bit, and then Goffney falls back to sleep. Shortly after, another nurse comes in to take his vitals. He was a little surprised because he had just had his vitals taken. So he tells this nurse that, you know, he just had his vitals done. Why was someone in there so quick? And then he gives her the name of the nurse that he was just talking to. The current nurse said that they didn't have a nurse by that name. And they certainly didn't have anybody with that type of uniform, he described. Though... 
that uniform did match uniforms that used to be worn in the hospital years earlier. I mean, but could he feel her doing the vitals? And I mean, I don't know. That is so cool. Now, theoretically, you could say he was already on medication. It said he went right back to bed afterwards that he could have just been out of it from whatever medicine or whatever the allergic reaction yeah, he was Yeah, but I don't believe that for a second because, number one, he'd have to know what those uniforms looked like back in the day, right? Theoretically, if he's lived in that town, he might have been in that hospital before and seen the old pictures. Oh, man. I'm so... sure they probably have old pictures hanging up in the hospital. Of... Yeah, of course. That's cool. I like that. Goffney said that most law enforcement will dodge these types of discussions because they're concerned about how they will be interpreted. Yeah. Well, by, I mean, I can understand that. By the, the public and by their co-workers and officers. He then said that he has always been open to talking and most guys in law, law enforcement are black and white. If you can't prove it, it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So this brings us to another sheriff in Montana. This is in Cascades County. The sheriff there was Bob Edwards. He said that he has very little empathy when it comes to talking about some of the unexplained things that go bump in the night. But he will talk about his uh, experiences only because he had a witness, a co-worker. He said that the old jail there at uh, Cascades they had cells on one side and an apartment for the sheriff on the other side. At one time, the sheriff was required to live there in the jail. Oh, I don't think I, I think, like Yeah, that. but I think I've seen that before. Really? Yeah, because remember, there was like the living quarters when we went to the one in St. Augustine. Oh, well, that's where true. the sheriff would live there. So it kind of makes sense that in smaller towns, they might, you know, require to do that. He said on one occasion... Sheriff Edwards was upstairs in the apartment side. It was nighttime, and he was hearing footsteps come up the rickety stairs. Really, a really distinct, obvious sound. Uh -huh. The sheriff felt that someone was trying to play a prank on him. He opened the door really fast and was surprised to see that no one was there. It kind of freaked him out. So he went downstairs, and he asked his deputy, Mike, Hey, who was upstairs? Deputy Mike said that he was the only one up there. Well, Sheriff Edwards told his deputies that he wasn't going back up there. He uh, decided that the old jail was an old haunted house, in his opinion. So Sheriff Edwards said that he and his deputy decided they were going to check out the video monitor. And what they witnessed was a white mist hanging in the air right around the hospital cell. Yikes. He said it looked like someone was blowing out cigarette smoke. Deputy Mike went to go investigate, but he couldn't see it in person, even though Sheriff Edward on the radio with him could still see it on the monitor. He could see both of them in the same spot. Wow. Mike raised his hand to see if he could feel it, and the mist shot off of the screen. Sheriff Edwards said that he had massive goosebumps all over his Ooh, body. Oh, I bet. He said, here he is, this big, tough uh, detention officer in charge of 200 guys in this jail, and he was all worried about a mist. 
That's because what you see, you don't know what you, if you can't see it, what it's going to do to you. My they, feet stink. <laughs> what? They do. I don't see a mist coming from them, so well, I think we're good. probably smells, look like some green shit coming out of my toes or something. What? what? You said. Oh, sorry. Shoot. Man, they think on it. Sorry. He said the mist never appeared again after that. A few years later, there was a program for young people that were uh, interested in careers in law enforcement. They put on a haunted house at the old jail. Now that's fun. To try to raise money and help, help the, the cause. Sheriff Edwards said that the night before the event, one of the more seasoned detectives went in to do some uh, final touches on the main floor. Thank you, Ninja. <laughs> the officer heard a big metal cell door slam shut and echo through the entire place. He was the only one in there. But he thought maybe a homeless person had gotten into the facility. Mm -hmm. He unholstered his gun and he went down the stairs. He shut off all the lights. He then told Sheriff Edwards that he would never go in that place alone again. I mean, you can't just slam a cell door no, shut. No, you can't. No, not that loud that it echoes no. through the halls. These people apparently are not alone when it comes to stories from the old jail or that area in general. Edwards said that his sheriff's department would often get calls from people reporting strange goings on. He did say that much of the activity could be attributed to the wind because it does get really windy around Great Falls. But not all of the reports can be chalked up to wind. And the you early... mean as far as the doors slamming? Well, no, I think he meant just like in general, people would call constantly and say there were issues. Oh, because I was going to say the, the yeah, bar, not... doors have... Okay, never mind. Yeah, not those people. Just in general, he oh. would get calls from people about haunted houses and stuff. Uh, okay, gotcha. In the early 2000s, there were several reports of UFOs or strange lights in the skies. He says he coaches deputies to do their best when taking these kinds of reports, collect the facts, and rationalize with the caller. Maybe they saw an airplane, or maybe it was just a meteor. A lot of the folks are very convinced of what they saw. He said you don't argue the point with them. Just take their information and you document it in a report. Edwards also said that he wasn't a huge believer in the paranormal, but after personally experience what he experienced in the old jail, he is a little more empathetic than he used to be. He said, are people crazy for reporting this kind of stuff? Absolutely not. After what he witnessed, he will never downplay what he's seen. And he doesn't have to worry about people saying that the sheriff was crazy because he had a witness for what he saw. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, I got some other stories, but since we don't have an interview tonight, let's take a quick sponsor break. All right, Tracy, this next story is more about the prisoners, I guess we'll say, than the corrections officers, but they are involved. I just found this story fascinating, and it, it fit really well here. This took place in the 1970s at Shepton Mallet Prison in the UK. Paranormal activity was widespread at this prison. Nice. The home offices of the prison was asked to investigate some strange happenings in one of the wings. It seems there was an increase 
of prisoners requesting additional blankets and bedding due to an icy cold drought that was becoming an issue. And it didn't matter what you mean the draft? No, drought. Like well, you gotta realize when I was reading in English Oh. Uh, so they probably said drought. So they're like wondering why do all these people need these extra blankets? Right. I think it was just a, uh, when they say drought, I think they just meant there was a period of time, time. where, where mm-hmm. it was like super cold mm-hmm. for whatever reason. So that was what they were wanting to check out. There were also reports of the smell of perfume that would waft through that wing of the prison. Well, no, that was probably nice. <laughs> well, probably. <laughs> it's a different smell, kind of nice smell. But prisoners were becoming uncomfortable in their cells, and some of the corrections officers started to refuse to work the night shift. Get out of here! So you were having corrections officers having issues as well as, as the, the prisoners. prisoners. They were all confirming it. Ooh. The home office carried out uh, a three-day investigation. Nothing came out of the investigation. So they never, like, had anything on their cameras? They couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Did they go no, back and look or anything? Nothing, nothing on the three days they were there. But as the years passed, the cold drafts, as you'll say, continued, as did the smell of the perfume. Wow, it kept on going, huh? Some of the night officers would report seeing shadows and white figures standing on the stairs. So the story of the white lady was revealed after some research. She had murdered her husband, was brought to uh, Shepton Mallet prison for her final days before being hanged in a town center. That's what her uh, punishment was. So they had the men and women in the same I guess in this situation they did. I don't think that was the regular thing, but Mm -hmm. in this case they did. So the night before her execution... She was offered her final request, and she asked to wear her wedding dress. Oh. Which they obliged. Kind of odd if you killed well, Yeah, after you killed... I was just sitting there thinking, what a weird choice. Now, the morning of her execution, they went there to, you know, pull her out. They, slam, you know, swing open the door. Much to their surprise, the woman's lifeless body was lying on the bed. Somehow, some way, dressed in her wedding dress... She was dead when they came in there, so there was no hanging. I wonder if she did her hair and stuff. Of course she did. Well, I mean, you if you're going to put on a wedding dress, you got to look the part. The officers could not find any mark on her body or any reason for her death. She is said to wander the wings of that prison and has been seen on multiple occasions by officers and by... The prisoners. Maybe her husband came back and killed her somehow as a ghost. I don't know. Possible. And if she isn't seen, her perfume is still often smelt. That is so interesting. I mean, well, I guess she could have died of a heart attack, I guess. I mean, technically. Oh. Hmm. Well, I saw one part of that story that said that they assumed that she died of a broken heart. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah, that's that's what I said. So I, it might be a broken heart that she's gonna die, but not because she killed neck. her husband. <laughs> broken neck. <laughs> All right, I got some really quick ones to end on here. I wonder what he did. <laughs> she, he must have cheated on her. I reckon. Maybe he didn't do anything. Maybe she killed him for insurance money. That was a thing back then in the day. Well, we don't even know when that was. Oh, 
But yeah, they were killing. H. H. Holmes was killing people for insurance money in the 1800s. Ugh. That's how he got started. So yeah, I'm sure it would have been a thing, depending on when it was. This is from Tish Healy. Tish said that a few days after an inmate had passed away, they had a flood up on the medical unit of the jail where she worked at. They couldn't seem to figure out where this flood was coming from. Then they finally found a sink in the back room of where the dental office was that was flooding the whole area. The plug had been put in tight and the water had been turned on full blast. The camera footage did not show a single person entering that area. Well, that's creepy as heck. <laughs> this is from Michael Garrett. He said that he came on to work some overtime at the prison he was at. He said this was a midnight to 3 a.m. shift. His job that night was to do 15-minute medical cell uh, checks. So he was basically just going, every 15 minutes, going to a different mm -hmm. cell. And just making sure everybody was okay. Now, three weeks earlier, an inmate had hung himself in one particular cell. On this particular night, on his fourth pass through... Michael sees a young man hanging in a cell. He called up on the radio for the control center to open the cell door and turn the lights on so he could get in there, obviously. Mm -hmm. When they did, the man that was hanging disappeared. What? This is when Michael realized that that was the same cell that the inmate who had hung himself a few weeks earlier had been in. When he... Returned back to the control center, they asked if everything was okay. He apparently looked a little bit pale because the lieutenant asked him if he saw him. Michael said, yeah. That's when he was informed that the rest of the staff had seen him as well. Uh, I guess at different times. Dude, that's crazy. That is crazy. Let's do this. What? I have bonus stuff. So let's go ahead and real quick, let's just talk about what I know about the upcoming shows and stuff. We'll breeze through it. We'll do the Patreon and stuff. And I'll tell a couple more stories. Since we don't have an interview. How about that? What up? So let's first start with uh, the fact that could people that ask me this, and it's I guess it's a logical question to ask. Yes, everything that we've got scheduled live is still on. Yeah. Because we, we talked about, you know, me having to slow down and stuff like that. And that, that'll be taken care of other ways. But yes, every live event that we have is still going on. We are more than half sold out for the one in And he does stand... Gatlinburg. He's, he's still trying to be alive, so he means it literally. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> being dead will completely ruin most of those shows. Because I, I write know. everything. If you get to write, do other writing and stuff, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah, I know, but, you know, I could just, like, sit you up in the chair or something. Weekend at Bernie's? Yeah, weekend at Bernie's. At <laughs> <laughs> weekend guy. at Buffalo. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But all the tickets are still available at hillbillyhorrorstories.com. You guys have been so gracious and amazing and... All kinds of good words. I, I can't on even these begin. Shows. We are so excited. This is we've we're the it's like the excitement level for the shows the last couple of years went down, and then it's picked back up as far as like uh, 
It's like ticket sales and stuff. We're a little slower the last well, couple it's slower. years. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this past but year. But, but, but for this group, it's like they're all amazing. I know. You guys are so awesome. We just love y'all. Just can't thank y'all enough for hanging with us. And now, like I said, we got a bunch of new stuff for you guys. We, oh, yeah. We are going to be doing video introductions on the shows, which we've not done before. Mm-hmm. So every... every um, every show I have a, a, a group of videos and stuff for each performers. We've got new banners. We've got new laser lights we've been playing with. It's going to be cool. We're stepping up our game for you guys. Yeah. And I still may try to dance up on stage when, are you ready? But we don't know that there's going to be, are you ready this year? That oh, be you better too. say that ain't so because <laughs> I will get up and break it down my dang self. And we got a bunch of new merchandise. We have new we shirts. Do. We've got different types of sunglasses that are bats and little uh, hearts with with devil horns on them yeah uh all we got of a lot products. of different colors for our shirts that's yeah. fun yeah we're Yay! excited we're excited all right um uh, let's do patreons and stuff are real quick ready for a good time okay that sounded kind of country-ish but oh okay Okay, so iTunes this week, we have Doug Towns, Jason B., Mark Bauhiller, Mark, I hope I didn't say that wrong, and Catastrophy, I need to get it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have to pronounce it a couple times. Thank you guys for your awesome reviews. They were great. Uh, Patreon this week, we had Miss Beautiful Heather Stewart. Thank you so much, Dolph, for your support. We love yous. Is that it? And Tracy, I believe we've got a special shout out for a uh, lovely young lady today. We do, Miss Navia. And we just hope you have a fantastic week coming up. And. Just glad that you're going to listen to the show today. We love you, sweetie. That's it, good okay. boy. Now let's get into some more stories. This is actually from Gloria J. Arguello. Arguello. She says that there was a female inmate in a uh, segregation unit, right? Mm-hmm. One day when she took over the shift, the female inmate told her that there was a man... Standing by her bed the night before. That this man was very tall, heavy set, and he looked Native American. So she told her that there was no way possible because no men could be in that pod without another female present. He could have snuck in. Hello. <laughs> yeah, because that's easy to do in a prison. Oh. She said she thought that it was a dead person. Oh. So that anyway, will not make for a fun night. Gloria offered her a Bible, and the woman refused to take it. The next day, she came in, and the woman called her over again to the cell and told her that she had been hurt by this ghost. Like, physically? Well, physically? She said that she had been awoken in the middle of the night by that figure, and she got scared. She covered herself with blankets. Because that always helps. (laughs) The ghost grabbed her leg and squeezed her really hard. She then showed Gloria the handprint on her leg. Oh, she had a handprint on her leg? And Gloria said that she believed her. This female inmate was so tiny, and the handprint was like three times bigger than her little hand. Oh, dude. No way. 
She then asked for the Bible and requested to be moved, removed from her cell to a different cell. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Um, I don't blame her. That is terrifying. This is from uh, Michael Robb. He said he was working the first watch. And that can always kind of be interesting, especially in an old jail like the California training facility in Soledad. One night he was working alone in the F-Wing. He finished his walk, and then he returned to the office. And, and his walk was to count the prisoners. you got to mm-hmm. do your count. He gets back to the office. As he waited for count to be called, he began to hear keys jingling on the tier. He exited the office to investigate. He started to climb the steps when the key stopped. He flashed his light around the second and the third tier, and he saw nothing. So he returned back to the office. Again, he heard keys jingling, and he went to inspect. The sound stopped again as he reached the second tier. He walked both the second and the third tier, and he found nothing. He said, I've completed my count, so you can finish yours. He said he didn't hear anything else the rest of the night. So I guess it must have been a ghost uh, guard. Doing his doing his count too, huh? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I don't see no need for two of us to be doing this. So I'll just go take a break and you can finish up. Last one. This is from Jen Schneider. She said while she was working a tower at the Garza East Unit in Beeville, Texas. She was sitting on a small chair leaning against a bigger chair that looks like an old wooden electric chair. While she was sitting there, her left leg extended and on top of the trap metal door where you enter and exit. So there's like a metal door. She's sitting in a chair, but she's got her leg stretched out over top of this metal door. Okay, gotcha. After about 30 minutes of peace and quiet, she heard what sounded like someone enter through a door down at the bottom of the tower. Then a minute later, something hit or pushed against the trap door so hard that the door lifted a few inches and kicked her leg off of the top. Uh. She quickly got up thinking someone was trying to come through or was playing a joke, one or the other. She turned the light on and opened the door, expecting someone to be there. Nothing or nobody was there. Just dust that was recently kicked up, blowing into her face, as if whoever was there had vanished. That is one night she said she will never forget. And she said, in your face. (laughs) Makes no sense whatsoever. I know. Booey. I'll do one more real quick one. This is from Jeremiah Jeremiah Willie. He said once while he was working the main gate post at St. Mary's Correctional Center in West Virginia. That's a facility that used to be home for mentally ill children. He saw tiny handprints about the size of a toddler appear halfway up the glass, which is about face level of a six foot person. The handprints were in a perfectly straight line across the windows it was midweek, no visitors, and in the middle of the night. Dang. So, 
All right, guys, that wraps it up for us this week. I hope you enjoyed that and I uh, hope you had a good time. I know we sure did. Yeah, we did. And we hope y'all have a blessed week. We love you guys and we'll talk to you tomorrow. I don't know. We won't. We'll talk to you. Yeah, we will. We'll talk to her tomorrow. Just stop. Huh? Just stop. Oh. We'll talk to him sometime. <laughs> 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 oh, <my dear. laughs>